I'm John, and tonight I want more answers about Bitcoin. There's no stopping us now because we're live. I'm John Thompson. I'm John A. Vink. I'm Keith Statenfield. I'm Loretta Beavers. I'm AJ Minnick. I'm Jennifer Sim. I'm Bobby Chastain. These stories tonight on John Wants Answers. John Wants Answers. Welcome back. Check your calendar. If it says January 12th, 2023, then we're live. Happy New Year. My guest tonight is John Kalb, and he's back for another episode of Bitcoin. We didn't have enough time to get through all of our questions last month, so we're here for more. But before we get to that, I have big news. Big news. New affiliate. We have Herndon Community TV in Virginia carrying us now. So they got the last episode, Bitcoin, and they're like, this is a show for us. So now they're going to get part two. Um, all right, so our last episode, we discussed Bitcoin origin story. So new viewers might want to go back and watch the December episode before they listen to this. So they'll be really confused, won't they? No, they can get the origin story after what we talk about tonight. That'll oh. be fine. Yeah, but, but they don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it. You want to watch every episode I've ever done with John Kalb, <laughs> a Bitcoin enthusiast. All right, so we got messages right. after last month's episode, and they want to, people want to know how do they invest in Bitcoin. Right, because what we were talking about, it said, again, was the origin story. Uh -huh. So we didn't really talk about how you buy it right now. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk about the four things that I would tell someone before they invest in Bitcoin. I want to start there before we actually talk about how to buy. Okay. Right? So the first thing is um, don't put any money in that you think you're going to need in the next four years. It's going to go poof. Well, it, it's very volatile. We'll talk about why. Okay. So the, the second thing is you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't invest in Bitcoin if you can't answer these two questions. One is what is the value of Bitcoin? What is the value proposition? Why does it have any mm -hmm. value at all? Mm -hmm. And secondly, why is that different from all the other cryptocurrencies? Okay. So the third thing is you shouldn't be purchasing Bitcoin unless you have a hardware wallet, a cold wallet. So we can talk about what that is. Okay, good. <laughs> and then the last thing is you shouldn't be buying Bitcoin if you're afraid of being demonized. <laughs> and again, we can talk about what that's about. Okay. All right. Okay. So the first thing you said was the four years. Four years. Four yes. years. All right. So uh, the value of Bitcoin has made it the best investment asset of the last 10 years, if you look over 10 years. Mm -hmm. But during that period of time, while it has been shooting way up, it has been incredibly volatile. And there have been several times when it's lost 85% of the value that it had at the last high. Uh -huh. Right. And I think that's going to dampen. Eventually, it won't be quite so dramatic. It'll be only 70% and then only 60%. But mm -hmm. that's way off in the future. And even though I think it's kind of at a low right now, depending on when you watch this, it's like $18,000 or something like that. I think it was 17000 when we taped our last episode. Yeah. And it's about 19000 today. Okay. All right. So yeah. how much is that? 2000 uh, in, uh, yeah, in a month. Yeah, in a month. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't want someone... I think it's, it's at a low. I think it's going to go... Dramatically higher. Is 19, 
The high? Or are we going to the, the, the highest it's ever been is 60-some thousand. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's at a low now. And it's going to go, I think the next time it'll easily exceed 100,000 or something like that. But it's then going to fall back down to maybe 40,000. 40,000, 30,000 sounds a lot compared <laughs> to now. Right. But if it's been 100,000, it's going to seem like... It's going to seem low. low. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's what I want people to be psychologically prepared for. And okay. so what I'm saying is the reason I want to give you these four pieces of advice before you buy is to inoculate you against the common mistakes of people investing in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And one of the common mistakes is panic selling. Right. It's losing money and I want to get out while I still can preserve my money. Mm -hmm. um, if you, no matter when you bought Bitcoin, even if you bought it at 60,000, well, that wasn't very long ago, but if you've held it four years, mm -hmm. you're back in the black. You're not underwater. So four years ago, Bitcoin was below 19,000. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. If you look at four years ago from any part in the Bitcoin history, it is more, it is higher after four years than it was before. Even though there's huge swings, mm -hmm. the overall trend is very... So it's swinging up. like this. Right. Up. Yes. Yes. The, high, okay. the, the, the highs get much higher. The lows, not quite as low. Okay. Right. The mm -hmm. last low was about... 3,000 or something like that. Um, and that's why I think the next time it comes back down, it'll be maybe, maybe it'll be 25,000, maybe it'll be only 40,000, whatever it is. But it, it will shoot way up and mm -hmm. it will come back down. And these cycles, maybe they're lengthening, but as of now, uh, anyone who's held it for four years hasn't, isn't underwater. Okay. Right? Mm. And again, my point is not that four years is a magic number. My point is just that I want you to be psychologically prepared. If what you think is, oh, I've got this tax payment that's due next January, and I'm going to put some money aside in Bitcoin, and it'll be a lot higher, not necessarily. Oh, yeah. that's, that's too short-term of thinking. Okay. If you're thinking about retirement, if you're thinking about, you know, I, I want to do something in the future, then that's the correct time frame to have it. All right. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Then you said two. Um, why does Bitcoin yes. have value? Right. Why does it have value, and why is that different than the other cryptocurrencies? Mm -hmm. Well, the, the bottom line on the reason that Bitcoin has value is that there is a Bitcoin network out there with literally thousands of nodes on it, and it represents about a third of a trillion dollars right now. And that is a huge investment. Lots of people think that this has value, and they've invested heavily in it. There's lots and lots of companies that are investing in it and those kinds mm -hmm. of things. So it, it does sound crazy. The first time if you'd said me, if, if, if Satoshi had come to me and said, hey, I get this cool idea, mm -hmm. I would look at this cool idea and I'd say, hey, it all works. It, it, you know, there's no contradictions. It looks like it could all be safe. But why would anybody give you any money at all for, for cyber money? Yeah, right? for bits. Yeah. But, the, but the thing is, once you see that somebody does, then it turns out, well, wait a minute, it's, it's, it's only going to be more valuable as more and more people buy into it. And that's the direction, more and more people mm -hmm. buy into it. Some people die off or whatever, there's some people who drop out, but the growth pattern is exponential and that's gonna drive the, the cost up. Unfortunately, it's not a smooth ride, it's a uh -huh. really <laughs> bumpy ride. But then, the, but then the second question was, mm -hmm. why is this different from any other cryptocurrency? Right. And one of the things, there's, there's a number of ways to answer it, and that's why I'm not telling the answer. What I'm saying is you need to find the answer. You need to know why this is the case. And again, it's to inoculate yourself 
against, and this thought occurred to me when I first was buying Bitcoin. It's like, well, there's all these other cryptocurrencies and they're way earlier. They're, they're not as old. They're way mm -hmm. earlier in their lifetime. Maybe I could get in the ground floor on this. And if yeah. Bitcoin has mm -hmm. shot up literally thousands of percent, right. then this other coin, if, if it shoots up thousands of percent, I got in really early mm -hmm. and I'm fabulously wealthy. Right. Problem is, that's not going to happen. And the reason that there's been literally thousands of altcoins created is because everybody in the back of their mind is thinking, well, if it does the same thing Bitcoin did, and right. that's why I want to make it clear, you need to understand why Bitcoin has shot up the way it has. Because then you'll understand why the cryptocurrencies won't. If you just think, oh, it's magic internet money, then mm -hmm. how is Bitcoin different than Dogecoin or anything else, right? Mm -hmm. Well, no, you have to understand why it's different. And there's a number of ways you can answer this question, and you know, some mix of this. But one of the things is that um, the original, and this goes back to the, a previous episode, why was Bitcoin created? Satoshi Nakamoto created Bitcoin without any idea of making money on it. He could have, when he created it, he could have said, oh, and by the way, the guy that starts it gets a million Bitcoin to start with. <laughs> you know, He could have done that. Uh -huh. In fact, every other cryptocurrency has done that. Oh, really? The creators okay. of the cryptocurrency give themselves, they call it pre-mine, because it's not mined coin, oh. but the organizers. And, and there's a sense in which it kind of makes sense, because if you've got developers, you need to have them buy in. So, mm -hmm. you know, but Natoshi didn't, Satoshi didn't look at it that way. And, and that's one of the clues that Bitcoin was designed to be different than the others. It wasn't designed to make money. In fact, um, Satoshi has accumulated an awful lot of Bitcoin in his accounts, and people look at those, and they never move. He's not selling those. He's, mm -hmm. he's not cashing in. In fact, that's why I think he's probably dead because he's never he's never cashed in. And the temptation now that it's in the billions is mm -hmm. how much he would own, billions of dollars. Um, it's just too much of a temptation. That's why I think he's probably dead. But I don't know. I have no mm -hmm. special insight in that. But the point is, these other cryptocurrencies. Another way of looking at it is, the United States government has determined that Bitcoin is a commodity. It's like gold or oil. Uh -huh. And the reason they consider it a commodity is because there's no organization or individual that can shut it off. You know, if you have so much gold, even if somebody else has collected all the other gold in the world, they can't make your gold just go away or stop working. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, and the same thing is true of Bitcoin. But all the other cryptocurrencies, they have some organization or some platform or something. Or a central that, piece. Yes, yeah. yes. Now, they use the term decentralized a lot. But in practice, if AWS goes down, most of, the, mm -hmm. most of the alternative uh, cryptos also go down because they don't have the network mm -hmm. that Bitcoin does. So you need to figure out how to inoculate yourself against this, this um, idea that, oh, wow, if Bitcoin can do this, then so could these others. They're not going to. And people have lost a ton of money because somebody has created a... The, 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 mm -hmm. the normal thing is you create some alternative coin and you have some reason that it's better than Bitcoin. Oh, this one has faster transactions. Mm -hmm. And so it's whatever Bitcoin did, this is going to do even more. Well, the problem is the faster transactions have a trade-off. And so mm -hmm. all the parameters in Bitcoin are very carefully thought out. If you don't understand them all, then somebody can make an alternative and say, oh, this is better for this reason or this reason, so you want to buy into it. And you need to inoculate yourself against that. You need to know why you're buying in Bitcoin and not something else. Canadian wildlife. I'm going to buck the trend. All right. What do we have there? 
off. The wolf is a misunderstood animal with a long history of persecution. His eerie howl is one of the most awe-inspiring wilderness sounds. While its numbers are few in the United States, the wolf is still quite common in northern Canada. Wolves on Arctic islands are often snow white, while those found in eastern forests are usually grey-brown. Wolves are gregarious and family life is highly organized. The dominant wolf holds his tail high and eats first. Other members usually know their place, so fights are uncommon. Pups are born in a den and may be cared for by several members of a family group. For more information about the wolf, contact the Canadian Wildlife Service, Ottawa. Is there an alternative coin that is close to Bitcoin? Um, there's thousands of them. But here's the thing. <laughs> Consider it this way. Um, imagine that you log into Wikipedia and you say, oh, this user interface sucks. I could do a better wiki interface. Mm -hmm. Not the information, but the, the software that, that it displays it. Right. I could do that better. So let's say you built that software. Here's my cool wiki interface. And then you go down and you download all the information off of Wikipedia. It's probably not legal, but let's say you did it. Yeah. Right? Uh -huh. Now you have everything Wikipedia has, but you have a better UI. Are you going to replace Wikipedia as the internet encyclopedia of the internet? Or everyone's still using Wikipedia. Exactly. Yeah. There are literally millions and millions of links all over the internet pointing at Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. There are thousands of people who regularly contribute and edit pages on Wikipedia. Wikipedia is often the number one search on Google, right? You're not going to beat them. They have way too much of a head start. Right. And that's the way Bitcoin is. I can, in fact, I, I believe, I've never been there, but I believe there's websites where you can actually go in and download a copy of the open source with your tweaks. So mm -hmm. we could create John Wants Answers coin, and cool. it'd be exactly the same as Bitcoin, right? Uh -huh. um, but we don't have thousands of nodes. We don't have Enough lots and lots of people and... building on top of it. We yep. don't have a quarter of a trillion dollar of investment in it. We'll never catch up to Bitcoin, right? right, right. And that's what I'm saying is people then, oh, well, they say, well, let's make one something that's a little bit better than Bitcoin. And of course, the problem is, well, everything's a trade-off. It might be better in some way, but you've traded off something else, right? Right. So, so that's why, again, you, you need to understand to inoculate yourself against the temptation to think, oh, I'm getting on the ground floor of some alternative that's going to be better than Bitcoin. It's not. <laughs> All right. And then finally, you said we have to have a, a wallet. A wallet. That's right. So um, a wallet is a very small hardware device. There's a number mm -hmm. of different manufacturers. I heard that the guy who made the uh, the iPod made one. Is that right? <laughs> Tony Fidel That's has right. backed the company. That, That's uh, right. I think, I don't, I don't know, is it out yet? I don't know if it's out yet. I'm but I sure. know that he's been working on it. Absolutely. I think it's called Stack or something. And I think also um, uh, Jack, uh, I don't remember his last name, the guy that started uh, both uh, Square and um, uh, Twitter. Jack Dorsey? Dorsey, yeah. Uh -huh. He is also working on a hardware wallet. I don't think, I know that it's not available yet. 
Um, but there's, uh, there's, there's one called Trezor and there's one called Ledger. Um, so there's these wallets out there. And what they are is just a hardware device that stores your keys, your private keys. Okay. And the idea is, and we call it a cold wallet, and the reason is that this thing, a little tiny computer, is never actually on the internet itself. In other words, you can have a wallet running on your, on your desktop computer or even on your phone, mm -hmm. but those are hackable. Now, maybe not easily, but those are really complicated machines, and therefore they have a huge attack surface. And someone could, one way or another, maybe through a social attempt or something like that, but they could hack your machine, they could get your keys, and they could take your Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But if you put your keys on this little tiny machine, the only thing it does is, is keep, your, keep track of your keys. And the way it works is you log in to an app on your computer. Mm -hmm. Now, this app is written by the maker of the, of the wallet. Okay. But the assumption is that that app is hacked. From a security point of view, we assume that app may be hacked. Okay. So what happens is I say I'm going to send Bitcoin from my account to your public key. And what happens is then the app sends a message to this little computer that's just plugged in by USB. Not on the internet, it's just a USB. Okay. It sends the transaction. And I look in the little window, and the little window says, you're about to send Bitcoin to this address. Okay. And if it's not your address, then I know, wait a minute, the app is trying to fool me into sending some, to some hacker's address. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. But the point is, you don't keep your Bitcoin on an exchange. You want to be custodian of your own Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. This is very important. In the Bitcoin world, we have a phrase. We say, not your keys, not your coins. Because really, if you go to an exchange mm -hmm. and you give them money and say, buy Bitcoin, put it in my account, you may think you own Bitcoin. Like FTX, for example. Like FTX. Mm -hmm. Famously, now we know it's a scam. They were not buying Bitcoin. Mm. So you didn't own Bitcoin. What you owned was a promise from FTX to provide oh. you with a Bitcoin when you, when you said, you send it. it to me. Yeah, when, yeah. Yes. And so that, that's not Bitcoin. That's a promise to provide uh -huh. you with Bitcoin. Okay. And it turns out that there are people in the world who will, I know this is a shock to you, John, but there are people in the world who will lie to you. What? Yes. Are happens. you lying to me right now? Uh, probably. Who knows? <laughs> Do your homework. Right? Anyway, but the point is this. Um, when you buy your Bitcoin, you want to be the custodian of it. Mm -hmm. You want to uh, keep it in the hot wallet. And again, this is kind of a weird thing. Or I should say not the hot wallet, cold wallet. A hot wallet is a wallet you have on your computer. Don't use that. So, so the cold first one dollar, is a the device first, that's off your computer, right. off the internet. The first dollar you put in Bitcoin is not actually in Bitcoin. The first dollar is to buy a wallet, right? <laughs> okay. Um, there, I don't even know, $100, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, but that way, and, and I, I want to make certain people don't misunderstand because you may think that, that your Bitcoin is on that wallet. It's not. It's the keys that are on the wallet. And the reason it's important to know is that when you use the wallet, every wallet's a little different. So you, you know, but you basically have a password or a passcode. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, suppose your wallet is stolen or lost. Well, it turns out that if you took my wallet, it doesn't do you any good if you don't know the passcode. But then I also don't have the wallet and can't get my keys? Can't well, get my coins? see, the cool thing is, 
the first step you do when you get the wallet is there's a there's 12 or 24 words depends on the protocol but you have 24 simple english words and you look at the and you write them down you put on a piece of paper you could get any other wallet even from another company and say i want to initialize the wallet using these 24 words and what you've done is the wallets then are identical okay right so that means they are going to have the same set of keys in them right so those 24 words are what make the wallet unique to you so you keep those 24 words that's what if two people keys. happen to have the same 24 words um then that would be a problem but understand mm -hmm. um the number of possible combinations is such imagine a, a huge sandy beach and every grain of sand is represents a huge sandy beach <laughs> there's literally more uh there's literally more keys in the in the universe than there are atoms in the universe it's it's a mind-boggling size it's a mind-boggling but number. there's only so many english words yes but there's lots of combinations of them you have to have it in the same order yes 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 well the lyrics to a justin bieber song might be common among many people um <laughs> you don't pick the words oh you download when you when you get the wallet uh -huh. they're all initialized to some unique position oh and so the first so thing you do I'm is you write words. down the 12 words i don't make up the words i'm given right. words right okay but once okay. you've made that once you have them recorded mm -hmm. you can get any other wallet and you can say i want to initialize it to these words okay right so the so manufacturers have to make sure that the words are unique. Yes, yes. Across many yes. platforms. Effectively, there's a GUID in there somewhere. Something okay. like that, right? Um, yeah. Uh, okay. But anyway, what that does is it means that if your wallet is lost or stolen, you can replace it as long as you have your 24 words. What if someone finds my sheet of 24 words? Then you need to move your Bitcoin before they do. <laughs> okay. Yes. No, you need to guard those 24 words with your life. Do not mm -hmm. take a picture of them with an electronic camera. Okay. Do not put them on your computer. Do not upload them to your Google account. Do not them send them by email. No. Mm -hmm. You write them on a piece of paper and you put them somewhere. You know, generally what people sometimes do is they have two sets, right? So there's 12 words here, 12 words here, and these go mm -hmm. in the safe here and the other go in the safety deposit box at the bank or whatever. But mm -hmm. that's what you want to do is you want to protect those words and also your password, because you do password protect the wallet itself. Okay. Because if somebody steals the wallet, those words are in the wallet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't have the password to get in the wallet. Okay. So the point is, um, there's a little bit of learning you have to do to protect yourself. It sounds really complicated, but you know, if you can use an iPhone, you can. So you if can I want those. to buy coins and put yes. my wallet, yes. where do I buy them from? Do I have to okay. buy them from an exchange? Well, there's two different ways to do this. We're skipping the, the fourth one about oh. being demonized, but that's okay. Well, no, let's go to, it's, I want to hear about being demonized. All right. Does that mean so, I'll be, that means I'll be fu made fun of for jumping on the Bitcoin bandwagon? Essentially, you know? um, if you look at the history, um, every time a government has managed to destroy its own currency, <laughs> it doesn't want to get blamed for that. So it always blames other people. And usually it blames speculators you see because they didn't have faith in the currency 
So instead of mm -hmm. investing in the currency, they invested in something else. Okay. So um, Voltaire, the famous French philosopher, way back in the 1700s, said every fiat currency will eventually seek its intrinsic value, which is zero. In other words, even before the U.S. dollar existed, he was predicting the U.S. dollar is going to go to zero. Now, the problem is we don't have any idea when. Okay. Right? <laughs> um, in the last 50 years, the dollar's lost like 90% of its value. Will it lose 90% of what's left in the next 50 years? Does that mean from inflation? Yeah. Okay. From, yes, from inflation, right. Um, creating more dollars, which is why the fact that Bitcoin doesn't, can't be debased. No more Bitcoins. 21 million, that's it. Well, can we, that's why it holds its value. It debases up until 21 million, and then it stops. Effectively. Yeah. Um, but we're already at like, um, there's some Bitcoin that get mined, and we're at like 90% of the Bitcoin have already been mined. So there's oh. not that much left to be mined. And the amount that gets mined actually decreases over time. So we will still be mining Bitcoin until like 2040, excuse me, 2140. Oh. Like into the next century, or something like that. Mm -hmm. But when it hits the uh, when it hits the twenty one million, that's it, no more. Okay. But my point is that if and when the U.S. dollar collapses, which it will, people who own Bitcoin are going to be blamed for that. So you want to be secure by not going around telling everybody that you own Bitcoin or how much you own or anything like that. Uh, yeah. This should be a private secret. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So now let's answer the question. How do we actually do this? Yes. How do you buy the Bitcoin? Well, there's a couple of different ways. And what you need to understand is that um, you, you can buy Bitcoin either KYC or non-KYC. KYC <laughs> stands for know your customer. Okay. And this is what uh, the U.S. government is forcing banks and exchanges to do to prevent any private moving of money. They're saying to stop money laundering, essentially. Mm -hmm. But the point is, if you open a bank account, you have to prove who you are. You may have to give mm -hmm. a driver's license, all sorts of stuff, right? And the same thing is if you open up an exchange. So if you go to an exchange and you say, I want to buy Bitcoin, and you give them money, they know when you say, I want to transfer this out to the address that is on my wallet, so mm -hmm. I now own it, they keep track of that. They're, so they can look at that and say, oh, that address and those Bitcoin, they belong to John because he had to prove who he was. Right? Okay. And so that means that even though uh, things, are, things are essentially anonymous, but we call them pseudonymous on the, on the Bitcoin, because mm -hmm. once someone knows this is your account, then they do know who you are. And they can track every single transaction to that account. But would only the exchange know who I am, or is that published somehow? Well, the, they give it to the government. Oh. Right. Yes, that's, it's, that's why the government requires that they collect that information. I thought the whole idea was that Bitcoin lets you launder money and buy drugs. Well, it turns out it's not really good for that. No. <laughs> because it's a permanent record of every transaction. So oh. in, the, in the beginning, in the early days, people did exactly that. Mm -hmm. And then they found out, oh, wait a minute, the government can literally trans track every transaction once they, you know, if, if they arrest me and see what my uh, Bitcoin account ID is, they can track every single transaction. And, it, and what that means, of course, is if I send you Bitcoin, mm -hmm. 
and you have a record, John sent me this Bitcoin, then when the government comes after your records, then they're going to know my account number. But let's say I don't get Bitcoin from an exchange. Ah. Let's say I sell you my tubular bells. Yes. And you pay me in Bitcoin. Yes. And that way, it's my first Bitcoins I have. Yes. I can put them in my, in my wallet. Yes. And no one knows who I am. That's right. So that's the way to do it. Well, yes. <laughs> so um, there are ways to find people on the internet. I think there was a, uh, there's a website called Local Bitcoins. But you basically say, I'm interested in buying or selling, whatever it is, Bitcoin. And then you meet up somewhere. And this is how oh. the first Bitcoin I ever bought. I met someone. And essentially, while we uh, sat in a coffee shop, um, mm -hmm. I waited for the Bitcoin transaction to show up on my device. So I knew that. And then I gave them some money. And mm -hmm. that's how we did it. Now, that individual... Uh, Maybe they took a picture of me or something like that, but right. they don't really care. Uh, and so that's the difference between KYC information and non-KYC. All right. Well, our, we're out of time again. So thanks, John, for coming back again and telling us more about Bitcoin. And uh, can people find you to ask you more questions? Um, sure. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> or do you want to be anonymous? All right, we'll see you next time.